You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. Isaiah is often referred to as the Gospel of the Old Testament. Even though Jesus is never explicitly named in the text, he's all over the text when he talks about a suffering servant, when he talks about a servant that's there to restore, to redeem, to give hope, to heal. His ministry begins and he calls all the marginalized into that ministry too. And so it's a, it's a new breaking in. There are places on the earth where kingdoms really do bow down to the king and they seek to follow the suffering servant. And when that happens, the, the goodness of God is, is manifest in unique ways. So the question is, which kingdom are you going to follow? Which yeah. government are you going to follow? Uh-huh. Which king are you going to follow? Who's your God? His work isn't done, and yet we don't have to wait for his work to happen. It's happening. I'm Pastor Bob, and I'm glad to be here to share with you uh, another message today from the book of Isaiah. I'm reading through, personally, the latter part of Isaiah, beginning with chapter 40 last week, and I found that reading one of these chapters a day is so helpful and so vital to my preparation personally for Christmas, and it's something you may want to be doing as well. As we look at Isaiah today, uh, there's an there's a image that really comes to mind that's so prevalent in this book of prophecy that is eight centuries before the coming of Jesus. And one of those primary images is, is simply hands. I invite you just to take a moment and, and to look at your hands and to think how uniquely you are made in the image of God and that there's no one that has fingerprints, for example, just like you. And God has, the scripture says in Isaiah, your name written in the palm of his hands. Uh, Isaiah talks about how that we can write the Lord's name on, on our hands. He talks about how that God takes us by the hand, that God guards us and guides us and leads us, that the hand of God is, is on us, that his favor is on us, that, that God is up close and personal and real. And church, I, I think it's, it's, it's easy for us to believe that God was there for the people back then in Israel, or we read the Bible and we think, well, this is good information, and this is an historical account about how God was moving for the people in those days. But what does it mean for you to have Your name written on the palm of God's hand. Is God really present? Is God really among us? Is God really up close and intimate and personal? 
As I was reflecting on this, I'm going to ask Jim and, and David to come up and, and assist me. That's right, David. <laughs> so this is not pre-planned, is it? You're, you're standing in a good place right there. So um, there's just a very real image that came to mind last Monday as I was thinking about this message. And it was, it was this simple that uh, when we circle up and we do life together and we work together and we live together and we think together and whoever you do stuff with, that God is standing here in the midst of us. And, and what I visualize, as sure as David is standing there, is that God is standing between me and David. And God is standing between David and Jim. And God is present between Jim and me. And what really holds us together as family, as households, as friendships, as relationships, is the presence of God. That it takes more than just human strength alone to do this. And uh, what Isaiah wants us to get, and what, what it really means to have Jesus among us, is, is to really believe that when we do life together, and we're thinking together, and we're making decisions together, uh, I'm going to look to Jesus' presence just as much as I'm going to look, look to Jim or to David's. And to believe that uh, he has some wisdom and some guidance and some presence and some strength that's going to fortify the relationships that I have, that you have in your life. Thanks for volunteering. Um, we're going to look at some scripture in Isaiah. And again, I'm going to invite you to think about your walk with Christ right now. Your walk with the Messiah. And, and the up-close presence that is conveyed in these verses. Beginning with verse 1 of chapter 43. Here's just one snippet. One perspective. One glimpse that that God gives us. Behold now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you, O Israel, the one who forms you. Can you fill in your name there for Jacob or for Israel? Now, God had a unique relationship with Israel in the 8th century as he continues to have today, but could you fill in your name? Is it possible to believe that he formed you, that, that, that these words are really for you? people of God in our day, do we really take this in? The one who formed you says, do not be afraid. For I have ransomed you, I have called you by name, you are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Now, the Scripture does not say, if you go through the flood, if you go through the rivers of difficulty. It doesn't say, if you go through the flame. Now, it says, when you go through the fire. When you go through the rivers of difficulty, I will be with you. And because I'm with you, you don't have to be overwhelmed. 
And you can be assured that you're not going to be consumed by it. For I am there and I am present. And friends, we, we get to a time and a place in our life where the old adage, when you get to the end of your rope, just hang on, doesn't work anymore. And that's where we have to let go of the rope and believe that there is a presence, there is a power, there is a strength that is there for us and with us, that we do not do this alone. I want to share with you a couple of examples of some people that I feel like are great illustrations of the way that they're walking with God through some fire and through some flood in their own life. One of those persons is, is Jeannie Horton. And Jeannie is a, a real sweetheart of a person who, for more than a year, has fought the battle with cancer. And she writes uh, regularly on her posts that she calls Kicking the Net Out. And last week, eight, ten days ago, she, she marked her anniversary of taking chemo. So just think about this. One year of taking chemo. I have no idea what that's like. But on the anniversary of her first chemo, she was beginning her 13th round of chemo. And she wrote these words, that you have given me the strength to continue to move forward, especially on days that I have felt my worst or have been overwhelmed with what I have in front of me. She writes this to her group, her people, her support system, her circle. It's your prayers, your likes, your posts, your texts, your calls, your rides, your meals, your fundraisers, and all the other ways that you have shown your, that you care and that you're in my corner fighting right alongside with me always seems to come at just the right time and are a continued inspiration and blessing. So the image that I get from Jeannie and, and the posts that she writes and the faith that she shares is that she's in this circle with a lot of people circling around her and God is in the midst of that circle. Now another example is Matt Henry. I wouldn't say Matt is sweet, but he's good. He's a good guy. Last Monday... On Matt's post, he calls it, let Henry beat it, as he's fighting his own fight with cancer. I think that you all know that I have been gifted from God with a pretty good attitude about this whole thing. I have never, ever really felt down or hopeless. I know with God's grace, everything will work out somehow. But I will admit that it seems that every time I get to feeling really positive about our outlook, that they kick my feet out from underneath me. I won't deny a modest fear of this from these scans on Friday. He goes on to say some other words, but finalizes with God is good. I am grateful for all of you. What I really appreciate about Matt and Jeannie is this incredible balance or this amazing authenticity and honesty about the struggle and that some days are 
a lot better than others. And on this roller coaster ride in which they live, that their faith is strong. And the relationships that they have with people uh, and the way that they exemplify doing the fight and the battle is exemplary. So I thank you, Jeannie. I thank you, Matt, for who you are. You know, there's times when we think God could just go a little easier on us. I think Mary and Joseph felt that way. You think about just bringing the, the baby Jesus into the world, don't you think God might have gone a little easier on them? I mean, really, when you read the story carefully, you read about how Mary was conceived by the Holy Spirit and they weren't married yet. I mean, God couldn't have worked it out where she got conceived just as they were saying the vows to each other or something. I mean, that would have saved them. A lot of mischievous comments that was surrounding them. And you think about Joseph, who was called a craftsman, and the original language means that he wasn't someone that probably was prominent in business, but he worked with his own hands, which meant that he got paid when he did work, and when he did not work, he did not get paid. As a poor craftsman in an outback town of Nazareth, of all the times and places for Caesar, Augustus, to decide that the world needed to be taxed, Joseph and Mary have to go to Joseph's hometown, Bethlehem, 80-mile journey, as the baby is about to come. And wouldn't you think, God, that you could have provided some better accommodations when they arrived there for the up, upper room part of the house or the inn, whether it was a commercial place or whether it was a family residence we don't know there was no room there and so they had to stay in kind of a cave-like stable where humans didn't dwell I just think sometimes Mary and Joseph might have been saying God will you not provide for us and yet when you read the story and you, you see the ways in which God's favor was on them even as a, a two-year journey to Egypt with the child's life endangered, God's hand, God's blessing, God's favor was upon them. I see a mother right now cuddling her little one close to her. I think about how Mary's hands, as she was holding the hands of God, God's hand was on her. And what God wants us to get this morning, what Isaiah wants us to get, that Emmanuel really means he is here among us. And in those intimate ways, God shows up in unpredictable circumstances. You just never know through whose lips God is speaking. You just never know whose eyes. Through whose eyes God is looking out for us. And that's the meaning of this text as we continue with chapter 42. Another snippet, but 
What a full blaze glance of who Jesus is as we look at these words from Isaiah. Look at my servant whom I strengthen. God speaking through the words of the prophet Isaiah, eight centuries, speaking about Jesus. He is my chosen one who pleases me. I have put my spirit upon him and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or raise his voice in public. He will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. He will bring justice to all who have been wronged. He will not falter or lose heart until justice prevails throughout the earth. Even distant lands beyond the sea will wait for his instruction. These words are not just words of great poetry and prose. These are the words that have been and are being fulfilled by Jesus. We're that people in a distant land today, are we not? And did you notice that not once, not twice, but three times in these short verses of Scripture, the word justice appears, that God is going to bring forth justice through this person. And when you look at the life of Jesus, everything about him had a sense of justice. And God's justice looks different from ours. God's justice is not spelled R-E-V-E-N-G-E, revenge. But in God's justice, he does not play favorites. He doesn't look at someone's ethnicity. He doesn't look at their faith. He doesn't look where they're from. He doesn't consider whether they're rich or they're poor. He doesn't give favor to those in power over those who do not have power. And as you and I are living in a world today where the church went through this 15 or 20 years ago, where the secrets were coming out and about what was being done to women and, and children. Now it's coming out, whether it's Hollywood or Washington, D.C., or prominent people in the media. Jesus, in a world and a time where women had no rights or no sense of dignity with people in power, gave them rights and dignity. Jesus was the one who speaks out and calls forth a fairness and a justice and an equity and equality for people. And anyone within the sound of my voice who has felt devalued by others, may you hear the voice of Christ speak words of healing and restoration in your life. You matter. Everyone matters to God. And God's people join him in that sense of rightness and justice and fairness for everyone. 
I love the verse that says he doesn't cry out in the street. He doesn't call attention to himself. You know, if we're not careful because Jesus doesn't post things or call attention to himself, he never did, he doesn't now. If we're not careful, we'll miss him. We'll miss the whisper. We'll miss the glance. We'll miss the subtleness in which Christ's hidden work is often done among us. I was walking in the nature center last Monday. And as I was walking along the pathway, there was a gentleman I met on the path, and we didn't know each other. We just nodded. And as he was passing by, he whispered, God bless you. And if I would have had my earplugs in or been self-absorbed, which I often am, I would have missed the whisper. I wonder how many times we miss the whisper. We miss the glance. When this Jesus, who will not share his glory with anyone else, who is King of kings and Lord of lords, who will receive our praise, does not call attention to himself, but is present and real and eminent and at work in our lives. This Jesus, and this is my go-to text, a bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. Anytime I'm to meet up with somebody that's going through the flood, going through the fire. They tell me their news. They share the devastation. They talk about being overwhelmed. And they come and they speak with me and they share the secrets that you just don't let everyone in on. I always feel, God, (laughs) I have nothing to offer but I know that God's presence is there this God a bruised reed in a world where we throw elbows at each other when we're bruised when we're hurting when we're wounded this God is present and there's a gentleness with this God there's a gentleness in the presence of God there's a gentleness with Jesus there's a tenderness with Jesus where he's able to tenderly mend the bent but not broken. And so often we see it that when the flicker of the candle is so faint, it's about to go out. Jesus' presence and the process of healing is able to bring restoration and hope to even those whose lives are so faint. And that's the God that is here this morning. That's the God that calls us by name. That's the God that has our names written in the palms of his hands. He formed you. He named you. He claims you. And he's present for you. Jimmy Stewart was one of my favorite actors, not because he was one of the best actors, but he just had a way about him. You talk about a unique style, and of course, his most famous Christmas movie is It's a Wonderful Life, but 
The movie that he was starring in in the latter part of his life, Mr. Kruger's Christmas, is a wonderful portrayal about how that he steps into the story of Jesus. And as you watch this this morning, I just invite you to step into that story and know that Christ is stepping into your story as well. Let's watch. custodian over at the back apartment but, but but you know that don't you you know that i guess nobody here can see me or hear me except you you i didn't bring a gift i but i i guess that's not important i Thank you for everything you've done for me. As long as I can remember, you've been right by my side. I'll never forget when you walked with me right in those first few hours after I lost Martha. I've always been able to count on you when I felt dark inside and when I... And you were right there, right every time. Right there, even when I didn't feel good about myself, I knew that you cared for me enough, and that, that made me feel better. I, uh, like the time I got mad with Mabel Huntington because she broke her pipes on purpose, just so she could have somebody to see while I came up and fixed them for her. Boy, I hollered at her, like, boy, I hollered real loud. But then, then I got to thinking, you love Mabel just as much as you love me. And I should treat her the way you'd want me to. I, I believe I talked to you about that at the time. I, well, I started visiting her and I, we became friends. And I saw her almost every day until the day she died. I love you. 
you're my closest, my finest friend, and and that means that I, I can hold my head high wherever I go. <laughs>